What's going on, everyone, and welcome back to yet another episode of Bullpen Bros. As always, this is your host, Maddie C. Happy to be back with you guys. Happy to get another episode to you guys. Uh, today, we are talking MLB uh, predictions. You know, I have on slate my predictions for the playoffs. You know, we got this new bracket system coming out. What's it going to look like? How's it all going to shape out? You guys are going to find out. I'm going to give you my thoughts on it and kind of give you guys my seating. Uh, who I have winning the divisions. Uh, as you guys already know from the past episodes, I kind of gave you guys my winners. So we're going to lay them all out. We're going to pull them all, put them all in a bracket. We're going to see who is going to be the World Series champion. Um, with that being said as well, we are going to do award predictions. I'm going to go over AL, AL MVP, NL uh, MVP, Cy Young, Rookie of the Year, Manager of the Year, you name it. I'm going to get out here on, I'm going to get it out here for discussion. You know, some of you guys probably will not like some of my takes, and that is okay. I'm completely fine with that. But you know what? It's my show, and I can do what I want, all right? <laughs> Just kidding, guys. Um, but no, with that being said, guys, I'm happy to be back. I'm happy to get you guys another episode. Like I said, we got baseball back. Hope you guys enjoyed the little emergency episode uh, I put out for you guys. You know, I was very excited. You know, I felt like there was something that needed to be done. We got baseball back. Lockout ended. We all needed that type of baseball fix, and now we're in the swing of things. Now we got spring training started. We got teams reporting, games being played, bullpens being thrown, PFPs, you name it, that's all out there now, you know. And I finally saw today, I saw a clip of, uh, if you listen to the AL East episode, I talked about having your yearly Raldis Chapman bullpen and everyone going crazy over it. I just saw that today. Um, along with some interesting trades. I know you guys probably were expecting me to talk about talk about those today. I'm not going to do that today, only because I feel like there are a lot of trades that went down that we kind of need to take a deeper in-depth look at, so to speak. Um, I feel like there's a lot to be said about some of those trades, uh, such as I'm sure you guys want to know my opinion on the Yankees trade that went down. Uh, the Yankees traded for... Uh, Isaiah Connor Falefa and then Josh Donaldson tearing away Gary Sanchez and Gio Urshela. I can't get into that because I feel like I'll take up too much time talking about that and kind of the rewards t- and risks that were taken there. Um, you got great signs. You know, you got Carlos Rendon going to the Giants. You got Matt Olson being traded to the Braves. You know, there's a lot of stuff that has gone on. And with everything that's gone on, oh, not to mention we had Suarez and Winker get traded today you know in that nl central or in that reds episode i kind of touched on that you know and that was one of the things i don't think i even had mentioned about um potentially going down i think i had mentioned uh i'm pretty sure i mentioned some of the names being thrown around like i think i put out mike mustox looking over on fan graphs their roster who i had then possibly training. I, th- I want to say I said Mike Wistakis would make sense just to clear some room um, cap-wise. You know, I think I want to say I had said Sonny Gray would possibly be in the mix of leaving. Um, but some of the – like Winker and Suarez both had gotten traded, and that came out of left field for me. Um, I did not see that coming. I saw the Reds being sellers. I didn't think they were in any position to compete this year. Um, I still think there's more to be done. I think they're still going to go off uh, and trade Luis Castillo. And then um, I still think that's going to happen. It's just a matter of when um, and see where he lands. But other than that, I mean, like I said, those are just a couple of the moves that have happened already that 
need to be talked about more. You know, we need to take a deeper dive and take a look in that. Um, so we will. Um, I'll probably do that next episode. I will tackle all those and get all the transactions. Once everything's said and done, hopefully by then we have a Correa Freeman uh, signing. And we know where they're headed, Trevor Story, all the big-time names. You know, hopefully they, those guys get signed soon because in the short and off season, you know, they got to get to their clubs and they got to get get to work, you know, get accustomed to the team, get accustomed to the manager, uh, the playing styles, you know. I talked about it in the lockout episode that if we were going to have a short season, that it might have even been a question of if they were going to play that first month. Um, but now that we got camp started, I mean, there's a good possibility they can play that opening day. If they can sign quickly and get to their teams and figure out what all goes on. So hopefully by next episode we'll have that ready and I'll get all that out for you guys and give you guys my thoughts. And I'll probably even give you guys my grades as far as um, if I think it was a good trade, bad trade, or whatever the case may be. Uh, we'll break it all down, you know, and give you guys a deeper in-depth look at who you got, who your team's got. And um, we'll take, we'll just see. You know, I think offseason is going to get really exciting here in this next week. Um, shoot, with the, probably within these next few days after this episode comes out. So, with that being said, guys, we are going to get right. Uh, we're going to get started and jump right into the fan questions, um, or the warm-up pitch. Get started with some fan questions. Thank you guys for sending those in. As always, I encourage you guys to continue to do so. Love hearing you guys' questions that you guys have for me. So, with that being said, the first one is going to come from Walter W. And he's asked. Hey, Matt, big fan of the show. My question is, with the season in full effect, which big market team has to strike big and be aggressive during this offseason? And for me, I think this question is simple. Um, I'm going to take a side of the fact that, you know, you have the Dodgers and Yankees that have to go get kind of their big piece puzzle, Um, you know, with them both competing for Freddie Freeman. But for me, I think it's the Padres. I think when you look at this Padres team and you look at that middle of the order, you know, you got Cronesworth, Machado, Hosmer, Myers, and then we just found out that Fernando Tatis is going to be missing time with a uh, fractured wrist. He has to get surgery. Um, that's something that I felt like should have probably been already done in the beforehand. I have yet to read the report on it. That is my fault. Um, but I think this team has a lot to prove. You know, if you look at this rotation, you got – you got Musgrove, you got Darvish, you got Blake Snell, and, and you got Mike Clevenger. And then you look at this lineup, it's in need of a bat. You know, even for when Tatis comes back, you still got to have that bat to where you got to have that production. And I feel like the the Padres are that team that's uh, become a big market team, and they need to go out and strike and get someone to kind of fill that gap there while, while Tatis is gone because that hole is going to be – hurting for a little while until he comes back. So I think the big ticket item for them is Nick Castellanos. I think that guy makes too much sense for the Padres. Um, so I think I can see him going there, and I think that's who the Padres need to be the most aggressive in going to get is trying to fill that bat in that rota- in that lineup now that Tatis is gone. So that's definitely someone that I think – that's definitely a team that I feel like has a lot to prove. Um, they've had their – Everyone's had their eye on them since they've done what they did, you know, um, with adding Blake Snell in this in this rotation. You know, you look at it on, a pa- on paper, and it's really, really good. But your team can be really good on paper, and they go on the field and not produce. And that's what we've been seeing from the Padres. So I feel like that's who has the most to prove, and I think that's going to help. Um, what helps them is getting 
an experienced manager in that ball club as well now. You know, now you have Bob Melvin there, who's been on winning teams with the A's, you know, has been to the playoffs and been a successful manager. And he, and from what I've read, that players love playing for Bob Melvin. You know, he's a really good coach and really good manager, and he knows how to take care of his guys. So I think that's definitely someone, or a team, I'm sorry, not someone, a team that has the most to prove um, to me. I think they need to go out there, spend big, and do whatever it takes to make this team competitive. Add a bullpen arm. Sure up that uh, that bullpen. You know, this bullpen need, needs probably another good back-end arm. Um, looking at these stats, I think they need a bullpen arm. I think this rotation is going to be just fine. Um, and then they need a bat. So go sure up those spots and make this team competitive because I think yeah, they have the most to prove going into this next year. And I think if they do, they're going to be a force to be reckoned with in that NL West because um, that's going to be a very tight right race if this lineup gets active and is able to produce like they should. Um, but with that being said, that's who I have my eye on for them to go out and make a big big move um, here in this next few weeks. Uh, moving, moving on to this next question, the next question comes from Jose B. Um, and he asks, who should the Yankees look to draft and what are the key needs you, th- uh, you think? So for me, I'm not all that familiar yet. Um, with all the yank, uh, with all the college prospects, you know, um, I'm st- I, I want to do an episode for you guys to where I tackle that as far as co- uh, college baseball prospects to keep an eye on, um, who to look for coming up with the draft. Um, I have just yet, to, I have not yet been able to do that research yet for you guys, and I apologize. Um, I'm definitely going to get on that for you guys. Um, from what we've seen, we've had a good run of college baseball games you know there's been a lot of upsets you know with texas state beating um the texas longhorns the other day that was huge you know all these upsets all the emotions all the bat flips um you know there's a lot of good baseball being played lately um so i definitely want to get a college episode out for you guys and i will do that in the very near future um but to answer your question you know um looking over these prospects we have a lot of good guys, you know. We have our top prospect, Anthony Velope, who I think is going to be expected to come up this next year. I want to. I think the Yankees are going to give him one more year in the minors just to kind of get seasoned. I wouldn't be surprised if maybe they call him up to get him some feel up in the majors as well. Um, now, since we have Falefa there, um, I see him maybe coming up um, in the near future, if not for sure being the key guy next year. I think they want to build around him. I hear a lot of good things about Anthony Velope. And he's been a solid hitter um, in the minors. You know, he has a career 276 batting average. Last year, he came out and came out and hit 294 with an on-base percentage of 423. So I think that's a guy that the Yankees are looking to build around. You know, along with Jason Dominguez, whose ETA is expected to be 2024. The Martian, who's drawn the comparisons, comparisons like you've heard of Bo Jackson. Mickey Mantle, Mike Trout, like that's very high praise. So I'm hoping that Jason Dominguez is able to live up to that expectation. Um, but in the near future, let's say we do bring him up. We got to have guys that we can build around him as well. And so I think the very the key thing for the Yankees is that we need to go get a young first uh, draft a first baseman. I have three. I have three key needs for us. I have a first baseman, outfielder, and pitching. So I have first base for the obvious reasons right now. 
we don't really have a solidified first baseman. According to Fangraphs, let's say we don't get, excuse me, let's say we don't get Freddie Freeman, and let's say we have to go out and play DJ at first, or Luke Voigt at first base. I think in the future we are definitely going to be in need of a first baseman. You know, even if it's not now, later on down the line we're going to need one. So I think we need in that first round, second round, that those top rounds where we get our kind of key guys where it's kind of, where you spend the money to see what they're going to do and they pan out, they pan out. If they don't, they don't. I think one of those rounds we need to go get a first baseman because I believe if we have a solid first baseman to build around Velope and Dominguez who are and Austin Wells also. I think Austin Wells is going to be one heck of a catcher. I can see him being the Yankees starting catcher here in the in the near future. Um, with the way she, things are shaping out, I would not be surprised if that dude ends up on the big league roster and makes a run at being a starter. That guy's shown a lot behind the dish and has been tearing the cover off the ball. So um, he's someone to keep an eye out for, for sure, if you're a Yankee fan. So I think we need to just bring in guys that we can build around. Um, you know, with Velope, I like him and we need to build around him. So get a first baseman, and then outfielders. I, I like I said, again, just looking at our situation now. A lot of it, is, a lot of my opinion on this is just based off of what I see now. You know, we got Joey Gallo, Aaron Hicks, and then we have Aaron Judge. We need guys that we can count on in the future to be a homegrown talent like an Aaron Judge. We need guys that we can uh, afford to keep around. You know, it gives us more wiggle room to where in the future we're able to go out and get big name guys that we need. You know. It gives us that flexibility if we have the prospects and have the depth to go out and spend some of the prospects. Maybe that we don't that we that other teams value higher than we do because we have such a deep prospect um, farm. You know, I think that's one of the things that we need to do is build up a good farm system. Um, with us always being competitive every year, you know, we have those late round picks. So having those guys that are Maybe on the top 10 board is kind of out of the question, but we still need, like, there's a lot of college baseball talent out there. You know, it doesn't matter where you get picked, it's how you perform. You know, you can be the last pick and then we'll be draft and still go out there and perform. I'm going to use Tom Brady as an example because that's probably the most relevant and most known late round pick, you know. And he, look at him. He's went out and holds the record, pretty much every record in the NFL. Um, won many, many, has won many, many Super Bowls and does not let where he get, got drafted affect him. So not saying that we're going to, that we need to be in the, that top area to get a top level guy. Um, but I think these are just the positions we need to focus on. We need to build a farm system that we can trade, afford to trade, um, build around young prospects that we can come up and be our future to where we don't have to go out there and be the big spending team. We have homegrown talent that we can grow and develop into a big league ball club. Um, I think that's going to be huge, but I think we need an outfielder to build around Dominguez and then pitching. I don't think you can ever have enough pitching, um, whether it be a starter reliever, you know, there's a lot of injuries that go on throughout the year. It's 162 game season. There's going to be injuries nonstop, you know, and we have a lot of arms already, you know, like we have Louis Gill, uh, Schmidt, you know, we have, um, DeFessi, we have DeFessi Garcia, who we haven't actually seen in a little while, but we have him. Uh, we have a lot. We have some decent pitching prospects, and like I said, you can never have enough pitching. So obviously, pitching is always going to be on the radar. Once again, I think it's good for us to get arms that we can build up to be in our starting rotation, 
and uh, just be the future, you know. I think that's the biggest thing is just building this team to where we have a future and can afford to lose guys, um, prospects, because it, or afford to lose big-name guys because it clears up space for us to be able to spend, and we have the prospects in order to come up and be there and we'll be ready already. So that's kind of my whole take on that aspect. Um, again, I will get you guys a episode where we do may we do a whole college baseball breakdown you know we talk about the top prospects in the draft or um i do team needs according to what i see as far as teams go in the farm system holes that i see um i don't know you guys let me know what you guys want to see or listen to i'm definitely interested in i'm definitely going to do a college baseball one so just a matter of what you guys want to hear or listen to um let me know because i am open to any type of suggestions um, but with that being said, guys, we are going to jump right into our award ceremony. And we are going to start off with the AL MVP. So, when thinking about my AL MVP, I was trying to, I went through literally every single roster trying to figure out who I felt was going to have a breakout year this year. And when looking through it, there was, there was just one guy that stuck out for me to where I was like, you know, when you when you just hear this name, I think it's because of high of how big of a name he was in the prospects industry as far as when he was coming up through the farm system, all this. Um, you heard a lot about him, you know, and it's you have a lot of guys to choose from. I mean, shoot, you look at this MLB AL division, you know, you got Garrett Cole, Judge, all these big name stars, and it's just like, how do you come up with just one guy? But for me, it was kind of easy in the sense that I felt like this guy, without him, he just provides a president in a lineup that no one else can really bring, and that's Wander Franco. I think Wander Franco, finishing third last year in Rookie of the Year, I thought he kind of got robbed because he got beat by Randy Rosarena, who was rightfully so deserving of it. Um, however, because of the short season and all the success he had in there, I felt like he should have maybe won it that year. Um, but I don't know the aspect of it all as far as how many games need to be played. Whatever the case may be. Um, but I thought Wander was very deserving of it. So with that being said, I think he's going to come out and win MVP. I believe um, he's one of the best young stars in the game. And he's the best hitter on that ball club. Um, has a great arm and great hands um, on defense. And he elevates his game even more at the plate. In his minor league career, he had 333 with an on-base percentage of 399 And with 27 homers and 145 RBIs. And he didn't slow down when he got to the pros. You know, in 70 games, he had 288 with a 347 on base percentage, and he had seven bombs. You know, and add that to 39 39 RBIs that he had. He's a complete package when it comes to a defender and a type of guy you want on your ball club. Excuse me. And I feel like he's only going to get better. You know, that's the scary thing. This guy is so young, and he provides so much already for the Tampa Bay Rays that it's kind of scary at the fact that. He's going to get better, and he's going to develop even more. You know, kind of like you look at Vlad Jr. when he first came up. You're like, dude, how can this dude get even any more better than what he already is? And believe it or not, this kid's so young. He's 21 years old. This guy has a lot of ball to be played, and he's going to be amongst the greats, I believe, um, when it's all said and done. He's going to be far-fetched, far and just away from the game. You know, he's going to be one of the best that we've Best young guys that we get to watch, you know, since Mike Trout when he first came up and still get to watch him. Um, 
I think he's going to be that caliber, that type of caliber of player for not only the Rays, but in the MLB. So be on the lookout for him. That's my AL MVP winner. Jumping right into that, I am going to go and give you guys my NL MVP winner. I kind of already said this in the episode where I talk about his team. And I'm going to stick to it because I really do believe that when he comes back and has a career he has, he's going to have a huge impact on his team, and that's Nolan Arenado with the San Luis Cardinals. I think after having a shaky start um, to his career with the Redbirds, I have a gut feeling that we're going to see him do something very, very special this season. Coming off a year where he had 255 last season and had a 312 on base percentage, I don't think that's going to stick because we're talking about a guy that in the past, in 2019, hit 315, 2018, hit 297, 2017, hit 309, and 2016, hit 294. And whether or not you want to say, oh, yeah, well, he played in Colorado, Colorado, his numbers are skewed because of where he plays. You know, I don't buy that because even even without that, he is still amongst the best players in the game. Even hitting the year he had last year at 255, there are a lot of people that still can make a case for him as one of the best players in the game. So I think he's going to come back in a big way, and he's going to help this Redbirds club and make it a playoff push because he's just that type of elite player on the on, at the third base and in the lineup that no one else can provide. You know, And you put him in that middle of the order and produce, they're going to be a 90-win team and be a competitor for that division, if not the division winner. So I have Nolan Arenado easily being the NL MVP. And like I said, I just have a gut feeling. Um, I don't know what it is, but I can just see him coming out and just absolutely tearing the cover off the ball and getting back to his old ways. You know, a lot of people, a lot of the guys did struggle in the COVID year. So I don't know if that had something to do with it too. A lot of the big name guys had struggles. You know, Cody Bellinger even had struggles last year as well in L.A., you know, um, there's just down years, and I think that was just one of the things for Nolan Arenado that is that he just had a bad year and was not able to get it going. So hopefully he bounces back and produces an MVP-type caliber season because I think he will. I just have a very strange gut feeling that he will. Um, with that being said, guys, we're going to move right along. I'm going to get in the AL Cy Young winner. And for me, um, with our AL Cy Young winner, I just feel like without him in the rotation, this rotation – isn't as strong as what it may appear to be because I think without him that he's he's basically the missing piece to the puzzle you know he's the one that makes this whole team whole and for me that's Garrett Cole of the New York Yankees as a Yankee fan um, when he's hurt I am very scared about the rotation because there's a lot of injuries as a Yankee fan that I have to experience and that rotation is probably one of the ones that scare me the most um, when he's not in the rotation, if he's hurt, I'm scared for what we have, you know, what who we have to fill in that spot because I feel like we're going to lose a ball game every single time. You know, at least with Gary Cole, I feel confident that whenever he goes out there, we're going to win. And after after finishing second behind Robbie Ray last year and having top five finishes the years prior, I believe it's finally time for him to go out and win one. Um, and I know after the whole sticky stuff debacle that we had, um, and posting a 4.15 ERA. Uh, I think he's going to come out and do very, very good things because in my eyes, I feel like the MLB did things a lot, very, very bad last season when they implemented the whole sticky stuff and, you know, kind of just putting it on play pitchers right away. And although I do 
agree that they probably shouldn't be playing with the sticky stuff and, you know, giving an advantage or whatever the case may be, whatever your take is on it. I'm not, I'm not a proponent for it. Um, I do think that the sticky stuff shouldn't have been allowed. However, if you, I've heard that if you play with those balls, it's very thin laces and it's a lot harder to throw. I don't know. I've never on, I'm not a big league player, so I wouldn't know. Um, but I think the MLB nonetheless kind of just throwing it on the players out of nowhere as opposed to giving it and implementing it this next season and giving them a full year to kind of get ready and develop for it um, was wrong because, I mean, you look at Tyler Glass now, as soon as it got implemented and he had to throw without it, you know, he hurt himself, you know, and that had to be do a big part of it is that he relied on the sticky stuff so much and allowed him to grip the ball a certain way that ultimately ended ended with him getting injury. So um, I think that will be with that whole situation did go about it the wrong way. However, um, now with him having a full year under his belt and being able to get bullpens done, being able to throw with everything with no sticky stuff, I think he's going to come back and have an even better year. You know, in my eyes, I think he's going to come out with a vengeance and prove to everyone that he is deserving of Cy Young. Because after getting beat time and time again, there comes a time and a period where, you know, you're just fed up with it and you're done. You know, you're tired of getting beat out. You're tired of everyone seeing you as second place or talking bad about you, saying that you'll never reach this type of milestone. You know, and I think, and knowing Cole's demeanor and the type of way he carries himself, he doesn't want to be that guy and he's going to go out and prove why he deserves to win the Cy Young Award. Um, so be sure to look out for him. I think he's going to come out with a vengeance and come out with a chip on his shoulder. Um, leading into the Cy Young, talking about a guy who pitches with a chip on his shoulder, this guy is easily probably one of my favorite guys to go out and watch, um, aside from Max Scherzer, only because of the fact when he goes out on the mound, you know exactly where you're going to get, and he throws everything with 100%. Not saying that many, um, all of them don't, but you see it. You're able to, like when you watch Max Scherzer and he's on that mound, you see the fight, you see the t- determination that you he wants to compete, you know, whether um, you've seen those clips of him, you know, saying stuff to himself on and his glove, you know, you just see that type of intensity. And I see that with this pitcher and the pitcher being Walker Buehler. Um, I think every time he ha- he's on that mound, he just has a certain type of demeanor. And he has that bulldog mentality to where he's going to throw what he wants at you and you're going to try to do your best to hit it. And he just carries himself with a presence and a swagger and you know, and a type of authority that I love to watch. And he's one of my favorite guys to watch. Um, He's had top 10 Cy Young finishes in the league's past. And he's coming off a year to where he went 16-4 and and had a 2.47 ERA. Um, It's hard to believe that you can get any better than those numbers. But I can see Walker being the forefront of that rotation and having to be that guy for the Dodgers to be successful, um, knowing the type of rotation that they have right now. I can see him taking that next step and being that much more effective and that much more dominant. Um, he has a career 2.90 ERA, and I can only see him improving that. I think this is a guy that we're watching to be a first ballot Hall of Famer based off of his numbers alone and what he's going to be able to do for the Dodgers organization in the future. I think he's someone that we're going to see in a Dodger uniform for a very long time and continue to put up numbers and years, um, numbers year after year to where he just has a dominant presence and is able to take this team a long way because of that. Um, 
But I think Walker Buehler is going to be very, very good this year, and is definitely someone that I think we need to keep an eye out for. Leading into that, um, that's going to conclude our Cy Young winners and MVP. Now we're going to go into a topic that I am kind of excited to talk about, only because we don't ever really get into discussions about them, um, because it is always, and then MLB, at least, to say whenever we talk about awards, we always talk about the individual, right? Well, for this, it kind of goes into how they manage the ball club, and that's the manager of the years. And for me, with this AL manager of the year, I have Scott uh, Service, who's the manager of the Mariners. And I picked him because I think the Mariners are all in. They're bought in on being very competitive this year, and I still don't think they're done. You know, they went out and traded, like I mentioned earlier, they went out and got Jesse Winker. And now they got uh, Suarez, you know, to be the third base for him. And that was one of the positions I felt like they really needed to upgrade at. Um, and they went out and did it because now you have Adam Frazier at second. You have um, J.P. Crawford at short. You have Suarez at third. Um, you know, that was – I think this lineup just got a lot better. And, you know, going over the projections again that Fangraphs has, you have Adam Frazier at second. Mitch Hanniger and right, Jess Winker and left, uh, Ty France at first, Jared Kel- J- Jared Kelnick in center, Suarez at third, J.P. Crawford short, Tom Murphy at catcher. You know, this this team's really good. And you know what the scary thing is, guys? And I still don't think they're done. I think they're still going to go out and get another bat. I think they're still in the market for, um, gosh, I still see them in the market for, uh, Chris Bryant, I was trying to think of a name. Sorry, I kind of blanked out there. I still see them going out and get Chris Bryant because if you can put Chris Bryant in this in this lineup and have him play outfield, you know, and be able maybe to move Winker over to uh, right and then have Bryant play left, and then you slide Hanniger into that DH spot, this lineup gets a lot more scarier, guys. This lineup looks really, really good. And with this already good uh, rotation, and I think they have a bullpen to go out and make things happen, I think this Mariners ball club is going to do really well. And if they do all the right things and have uh, service at the helm, I think this team's going to do really good, which is going to lead to him winning AL Manager of the Year um, because he's going to manage this ball club really well, and, and he's going to take them to do great things as far as being successful on and off the field. Um, and I have no doubt about that. And as for the NL manager, I kind of just talked about them with our fan question as far as having something to prove. And he's a new manager. Um, he's coached the A's, and that's Bob Melvin. You know, just seeing the type of success that he had in Oakland with v- very limited talent, I would say, um, and not having the major payroll, you know, now being on the Padres and having that fluctuation of money of being able to go spend and get guys, if they're able to go get Nick Castellanos, I can see Bob Melvin being the NL Manager of the Year. Um, I know I probably should do this based off of the roster they have now, and I still do think that. I still do think that they have a lineup that can go out and win the division, or at least compete for the division and be able to get like one of those second wild card spots now that they have and be one of the teams that squeezes into um, the playoffs. I, playoffs, I still do see that. Um, but... I think Bob Melvin is going to be great for this team as far as helping out and developing that rotation, um, helping out McKenzie Gore when he gets up. Cause I think he is going to be up here. 
um, shaping out this bullpen. You know, I think he's just the right guy for the for the job um, because the Padres really do need to take that step in the right direction and take that next step forward as far as being competitors. And I think getting a guy that bought, like Bob Melvin at the helm is going to do just that. You're going to get a guy that's going to be a leader and give you what you need, um, the motivation factor, um, letting you know all the hitting tra- uh, tricks of the trade, you know the tips and stuff like that. I think Bob Melvin's that guy, and if they're able to go out and boost or boost this lineup, I think they're going to do just fine and be able to compete. Like I said, for the division. And which is going to lead to Bob Melvin having a turnaround season, going from let's see from seventy nine wins, probably producing I would say like a ninety one season. I can see that happening, and I'd be really ecstatic and excited to see that happen because Bob Melvin I think is going to be the right guy to do that. With that being said, we are now going to jump into the rookie of the year. So with Rookie of the Year, um, you know, we had a lot to choose from as far as the AL standpoint. You know, now we have Torkelson, uh, Bobby Wood Jr. We have all these big names at the AL Rookie of the Year level. And, you know, I decided to go with Bobby Wood Jr. Because as a, as a future star in Kansas City, I just feel like he has a lot to prove. And I think he's going to do it um, because he has a young ball club. It's because of the team that he has around uh, has around him that I think is going to be very successful, because they have such a young group there to where I feel like they're going to be playing with a chip on their shoulder and have something to prove. You know, all once top prospects. You know, they have Merrifield and all them to where they're going to go out and compete. You know, they're going to go out and give you that hundred percent and help develop themselves and the people around them to where they've already been there, done that as far as being a young kid, and now they're going to help Bobby Witt do just that. And I think he, like I mentioned before, I think he has a shot to make the the big league club out of out of camp and actually plan on him too because I think he's going to have a big enough spring training to where the Royals look at it and they're like, well, dude, we can't we can't get, keep this guy out for long. There's no way, no way, shape, or form is this guy going back down to the minors because I think he just fits in this lineup with Mondesi, um, Benatendi, Perez, Nicky Lopez, um, Isabel, you know. Just this young crew, this young group of guys that are ready to, co- to compete, and I think hiding that guy, that spark to the lineup at third base, is going to do just that. Um, so I can see Bobby Wood Jr. continuing continuing to tear the cover off the ball, and continuing to rake, and continuing his success he's had in the minors. You know, and last year in AAA, um, hit 285, had a 3452 on base percentage, hit 17 bombs. You know, the year before. In tw- or actually, the year before there was a COVID year, so he didn't have one. But even in 2019, he had 262. In AA last year, in 2021, he had 295. So I could see him just continuing to tear the cover off the ball and being a big help for that Royals organization as far as building their f- building their future and getting on to that next level to getting back to being competitive. And leading into that, I'm going to go into the NL Rookie of the Year. Um, I talk about being competitive. Um, I talked about last episode and the NL West breakdown where I said I didn't like the way that the Giants had handled this certain player. Um, And I still stand behind that because aside from Bobby Wood Jr. to where he has a young core around him and is able to help him take over and turn the Kansas City Royals organization around, this is kind of the opposite situation. See, Bobby Wood Jr. I mean, Bobby Wood Jr., 
Joey Bart is 25 and is the youngest member of the Giants or Giants ball club right now. Currently, his lineup looks like this as far as age goes. 33, 33, 35, 28, 36, 31, 35, 28, and then you have Joey Bart at 25. Uh, 25. So as a youngest guy on this ball club, I feel like he has a lot to prove in the sense that they are getting done having a veteran leader behind the dish in Buster Posey, who was one of the best to ever go about doing it. And with the Giants failing to hand let Posey hand him the torch and take over the mantle as a starting catcher of the San Francisco Giants, they decided to let him develop in the minor league level, which it's perfectly fine. I think that's the right move whenever you have a guy that is going to be your future, you know, of your organization. However, when he's going to play such a big impact on the team, I feel like you need to have him up there in order to get accustomed to handling a big league roster, you know, being able to handle big league pitching and being able to learn from a guy that was the best to ever do it is kind of the question mark that I draw. Um, because when you look at this rotation, you know, they just went on and got Carlos Rodon. Now, when you look at this rotation, you got Logan Webb, you got Carlos Rodon, Anthony DeStefani, Alex Wood, Alex Cobb. Those are all veterans. These are all veterans of the sport and know how to go out there and pitch. With the exception of Logan Webb, who's still 25 and is the same age as Joey Bart, um, which Joey Bart may know him coming up together. But, you know, when you look at this ball club, though, it's just like there's a lot of veterans on here, and he has to step up in a big way as far as being able to take that leadership role. And I think their success is going to be a lot with how he does. Um, You know, it's kind of the sink or swim type thing, you know, as far as if he's able to take over and it's a smooth transition, he handles a big league, this big league rotation is able to be successful with them. Then this team's going to be successful and they're going to swim. You know, they're going to go compete for the NL West again. Um, I still think they're a bad away from doing that. I think they've done the right things in the rotation um, as far as getting Rodon and getting all the pieces that they have there. Um, I just think that they still need a big bat. You know, I think they're lacking that key guy to be able to come in and produce at the plate. Um, So we'll see what they do there. I'm really interested to see who they go get. I think Suzuki is a guy that fits really well here. Kind of going off topic, I know. Um, but I need Joey Bart to just step up. Um, I need him to take control of this team, be a leader, and be the guy that the Giants need him to be in managing this bo- uh, this rotation. Because it's full of veterans, this team's full of veterans, and he cannot be intimidated in going in there and kind of just being shy and not be, not being ready to be that guy. Because if he is, then this team's going to not be successful because they need a strong guy behind the plate to be the leader of the ball club. Brandon Crawford's the, the captain out on the out on the field, but Joey Bart is ultimately the captain behind the dish and runs the show. So he needs to step up and show that he can do that. Um, with that being said, guys, that's going to be my awards. Um, those are all my predictions for who I have to win. And before we get... Before we get into um, my playoff predictions, I want to go ahead and jump into an ad. I know we finally have ads. You're not used to hearing me do these. Um, But we finally have some. And um, our first one is going to be from Nutrisystem. 
Nutrisystem will help you, help you transform your life inside and out with a personalized weight management experience that is effective, simple to follow, and made just for you. Nutrisystem is a leader in weight loss industry, industry having help, helped millions of people lose weight for nearly 50 years. Nutrisystem offers safe, effective, and scientifically backed weight loss plans with a distinguished science uh, advisory board and strong clinical studies. All plans include comprehensive support, coaching options from trained weight loss coaches, registered dietitians, and certified diabetes educators available seven days a week from an award-winning contact center. Nutrisystem is committed to continually elevating the nutri uh, nutri nutritional quality, taste, and overall appeal of its food and innovation and its food and nutrition mission, and an ongoing effort to make its food fresher, labels cleaner, and approach, uh, approach to ingredients more transparent. Sign up today at Nutrisystem with deals for men and women on the Chef Choice starting at 1021 a day, including free home delivery so there you guys there you go guys you know we are in springtime we got summer coming around you guys are looking for a weight loss program be sure to go check out nutrisystem maybe it could be for you maybe maybe it won't maybe it won't never know until you try so be sure to go check that out i highly encourage it um i i've tried it before it worked good for me for a little while and then i got lazy and then i and then i kind of got off of it um speaking of check be sure to go check that out if you haven't already um, and then with that being said, guys, we are going to lead right into the MLB playoffs. So with the new bracket that the MLB has put out, we now have six teams that make the playoffs. So to make this kind of more quick than probably what it could be, um, I'm just going to give you guys the seedings. And then I'm going to give you guys who I, who I have making it and um, the champs for that division. Um, so with that being said, I have the winners of the Central being the Chicago White Sox. I think that team is just so good to where there's no one really that's going to compete with them for that title. So I have them as a one seed. I think they're going to do great things. I think that rotation is phenomenal, and I think that bullpen is just going to take that next step up. Um, at number two, I have the Rays. Three, I have the Astros. Four, I have the Yankees. Five, I have the Red Sox. And at six... I have the Seattle Mariners stepping up and being a playoff team. Um, now with that third wild card spot, they're able to. They're able to step in there and be a playoff team and be competitive in the race. You know, I think they're going to be an exciting team to watch. So I have them being the number six seed. And for the AL Championship Series, I have it between the Yankees and the White Sox. And the Yankees defeat the White Sox in the best of seven series. Um, I just think the Yankees bullpen is just very good when you go out and look at it. I'm going to pull it up on Fangraphs so I can go and tell you guys actually word for uh, player for player who we have on there. Because um, I think this bullpen is just really, really good. You know, we have Aroldis Chapman at the helm uh, overtaking the, the closer role. We have Jonathan Luis Diego. We have Chad Green, Clay Holmes, uh, Wandy Peralta, Joel Rodriguez, uh, Lucas Lutig. And Albert Bray, I just think up and down in this bullpen, there are no holes. There's not a single guy in this rotation that I do not feel comfortable, that I don't feel comfortable with being out there on the mound in a big situation. I think each and every single one of these guys are capable of 
being able to go out there and give us big innings. You know, when Chapman was having his struggles, you know, we looked to Wandy Peralta to be that closer. Um, and I think that I think Wandy's going to even stay, take a step up. He had a 4.04 ERA last year. I could only see him getting better. I think he's going to get a little bit better this year and be um, in the threes, probably the high threes, low to mid, eh, say mid to high threes. But I think everyone else up and down in this bullpen is going to get a lot better. Chad Green is going to have a better year. Luis Siega will have a better year. Holmes is going to have an even better year after only having a half season with the Yankees to where I think he probably, if I had to guess, he probably had a sub two ERA with the Yankees because it seemed like every single time that guy went out, he was just lights out. It was just very, very effective. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised if he takes a step forward. He had a 3.95 um, after coming over with the, with the from the Pirates. And like I said, I think I mentioned in the, that ALEs episode that I think when he came over, he had like a, a upwards of a four ERA. So for him to get that down to a 3.95 in a short stint with the Yankees was huge. Um, but I think the difference maker for this for the playoffs is going to be the bullpen. As you know, our the in the playoffs, this is a bullpen driven playoff. You know, your starters go five, six innings, and then you let hand it off to the bullpen. Maybe even shorter than that. But I think. Not only this rotation will be able to get us there, I think the bullpen is going to be that next step forward for the Yankees that allows them to take that step and get into the World Series. Um, I think they have the best bullpen probably in the American League, aside from the White Sox, so it's going to be a battle of the bullpens. Um, but we'll see. I'm hoping that the Yankees finally can pull it off. As a Yankee fan, I've been dreading that happening and <laughs> wanted to happen very badly to get us back to the World Series. Um but that's who I have winning. That's who I have winning the division. Leading into the NL, I have the Dodgers as the one seed. Shocker. Um, I have the Cardinals as the two, Braves as a three, Brewers as the four, and then the Giants and the Padres NL West teams at five and six. Um, I have the Padres barely squeaking in. I think if they, like I said, if they're able to get the right pieces in and are able to produce. I think they're going to be a really good team, and but any of that rotation to take that next step forward. So, with these six, with these spots at the sixth spot for the AL and NL, they're both contingent on kind of moves that still need to be made. And I feel like there's still pieces that they're missing to take that next step and being the actual six seed team. But I have them in here just in case um, they aren't able to go and pull off what I think they need to. And allow them to get those big bats, big arms, rotation, rotation, um, to help them be successful. So those are my seedings. And then for the NL Championship Series, I have the Dodgers and Card- uh, Dodgers beating the Cardinals in the uh, division. Uh, ugh, sorry, Championship Series. Um, I have them winning it all. And with the way the brackets are placed now, this can act- this can happen. You know, the one can play the two, which I think needed to happen. I think this is something that. We needed to see because this is a playoff bracket that allows a lot of different things to happen, a lot of different matchups to be seen. Um, so I'm excited to see how it all plays out. I think it's good that we added that extra playoff team um, because, like like I said last year with the Blue Jays, they were they were a heck of a baseball team, and they didn't make it because of the playoffs. But this time they would have been in and would have had to play a best of three. I believe it's I believe they agreed on a best of three or best of five in order to get. In. I can't remember, um, but. I think this is huge for the game of baseball, and it allows teams to be that much more competitive. Uh, we'll see if they even expand it. Like I said, I know they had talks about a 14-team playoff, um, but I think they want to test this this kind of area right now first to just see how it works. 
Um, but with that being said, guys, we have the World Series being the Yankees versus the Dodgers. Kind of a prediction you hear year after year, I know. Um, but it's kind of hard not to when you look at these lineups. You know, you look at the Yankees lineup. You got DJ LeMahieu. You got Aaron Judge. You got Stanton. Um, now the Yankees have Josh Donaldson, Joey Gallo, Glaber Torres, Aaron Hicks, uh, Isaiah Connor Falefa. And then right now they have the catcher projected to be uh, Ben Rovert, who was one of the guys that the Yankees acquired in that trade. However, I don't know if he's going to be the starting catcher opening day. I think it might be Kyle Higashioka. I think he. I think the Yankees just feel like he's probably more comfortable with this rotation, is able to be managing, be able to manage him a lot more, um, better than what Ben might. So I don't know unless they want to go the younger route and let Ben kind of see what Ben could do because he is twenty four. Um, so I'm not sure what the Yankees are going to do with the catcher situation, <clears throat> but as you may know the sweepstakes right now is probably going to be between the Dodgers and the Yankees for who to get who gets Freddie Freeman. So honestly, this comes down to whoever who's going to get Freddie because I think whoever gets Freddie or gets a better the best first baseman is going to be ultimately the winner because this that's what this position comes down to. Actually, more so for the Yankees than it does the Dodgers because you do have Max Muncy who's still at first base going over this Dodgers uh, lineup. You look at it, you have Mookie Betts, Trey Turner, Justin Turner, Max Muncy, Will Smith, Chris Taylor, Cody Bellinger, A.J. Pollock, Gavin Lux. Um, so when you look at this lineup, you do kind of look at it and you're like, okay, well, the Yankees, yes, can use a first baseman. Um, they do have Luke Voigt who can play first base as well. Um, however, I think they're still looking for that more of a contact bat. And that's why I think the Yankees should go get Anthony Rizzo or Freddie Freeman. Um, I'm fine with either one. I was going to be fine if they went out and traded for Matt Olson, only because I think he has a more power side that he can give at Yankee Stadium with such big power from the left-handed side. Um, but so do the Freeman and Rizzo, so I'm interested in seeing, seeing if we're able to get either one of those. Um, however, for the Dodgers, if they get if they get Freddie Freeman, it's just going to be unfair, <laughs> to be honest with you. And they're going to go basically like the Golden State Warriors and have an insane dream team because then you're going to have Betts, you're going to have Turner, you're going to have Justin Turner, you'll have Freddie Freeman, Will Smith, uh, Max Muncy would probably slide to second, and then you got Bellinger, Pollock, and Lutz. Uh, Chris Taylor probably would move to, I would guess, DH in that situation or potentially go and slide out to left and Pollock go to DH. I'm not sure. Either one would be fine. Um but it's just kind of scary when you sit there and you think about it and you're like, man, that could really be an opening day lineup. And yes, it could. Sadly, with the way that teams spend money, um, as a Yankees fan, I know that firsthand as far as when George Steinbrenner, George Steinbrenner was the owner, he would spend no matter anything to go out and win a World Series. I mean, you saw that in 2009 when they went out and spent on CC Sabathia, AJ Burnett, and uh, Mark Teixeira that ultimately led in the World Series. So teams are willing to do whatever it takes to get in that World Series. And I think with the Dodgers, I think they're kind of just more in that situation to where they want to go out and prove that they could do it in a full season and that this short season wasn't a fluke, so to speak. So that's going to wrap up the awards, guys. So let me know what you guys think in the in the DM, in my DMs. If you guys want to hit me up on social media, um, Instagram, uh, Instagram, Twitter, all socials are Matt22Contreras. Go follow the TikTok. 
um, boys don't lie TikTok, uh, boys don't lie TikTok, to where we put out content as well. Be sure to hit us up on there, message us there, uh, let us know your thoughts and what you guys think. With that being said, guys, we are just about ready to get out of here. But before we do, I want to talk about uh, Will Smith's book that he has coming out. He is uh, one of the most dynamic and globally recognized entertainment forces of our time. Opens up fully about his life in a brave and inspiring book that traces his learning curve to a place where outer success, inner happiness, and human connection are, are aligned. Along the way, Will tells in full of one of the most amazing rides through the worlds of music and film that anyone has ever had. Will Smith's transformation from a fearful child in a tent West Philadelphia home to one of the biggest rap stars of his era, and then one of the biggest movie stars in Hollywood history with a string of box office successes that will likely never be broken, is an epic tale of inner transformation and outer triumph, and Will tells it all astonishingly well, but it's only half the story. This memoir is the product of a profound journey of self-knowledge and a reckoning with all of your will can get, or with all of the reckoning and will that will can get you, and all that it can leave behind. Written with the help of Mark Manson, author of a multi-million com- million copy bestseller, The Subtle Art of Not Giving an F. Will is the story of how one person mastered his own emotions, written in a way that can help everyone else do the same. Few of us will know the pressure of performing on the world's biggest stages for the highest stakes, but we can all understand that the fuel that works for one stage of our journey might have to be changed if we want to make it all the way home. The combination of genuine wisdom, of universal value, and a life story that is preposterously entertaining even astonishingly puts will the book like its author in a category of itself with that being said y'all that's going to wrap it up and do uh that's going to conclude today's episode i hope you guys enjoyed um i enjoyed giving you guys my thoughts on who i thought was going to come out on top who was going to be the big uh, big guy at the end of the at the end of the season who's going to be the world series winner and have the dodgers they, they just have the best put-together team, the best lineup, and the best kind of all-around ball club that's going to be able to go out and do something. Um, I think the Yankees are right there. I think they're still a piece away. Um, like I said, that first baseman away from being that much better than what they are. But with that being said, guys, thank you guys for listening. Um, please continue to listen. I love all you guys. I hope you guys have a great rest of your day, and God bless.